Welcome as we continue our series in the words in red, the words of our Savior Jesus Christ from Calvary's cross. I invite your attention to the gospel account of Luke. If you turn in your copy of God's word to Luke chapter, we're looking, looking at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 is where our message for the morning is coming from. Um, as you're turning there, allow me to give thanks, giving for our choir. Thank God for our praise team and our media ministry, our greeters, and each and every one of you who make up the body of Christ. It is good to be here. As you make your way there, uh, we are looking together at the statements that our Savior Jesus made from the cross. On last week, we identified his first statement as he prayed a prayer of intercession for all those he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And from that very statement, we understood that forgiven people are called, expected, empowered by God to forgive. On this Sunday, we're going to continue to look um, at that scene from the cross, and our reading will begin at the 39th verse of the 23rd chapter, Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 39. God's word declares, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. Allow me to repeat the words of our Savior again. He said, truly, I say to you, today, you shall be with me in paradise. Uh, These are the words of salvation. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we have gathered in this place one more time to declare your praises to tell you thank you for how you've blessed us, you've protected us, and you've allowed us to gather in this sacred space again. And now we turn our attention to your word, and we ask, Father, that you would cultivate our minds and our hearts that we might be receptive soil for the seed of your word, that our lives might bring glory unto your name, that we would learn how to obey you better and love each other more, that you be glorified, as you transform our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is the the second scene. Second scene, as we look upon Calvary's cross. In this scene, I I want you to to slip on your sandals and, and be there on that dreadful Friday. Felicia, where we looked up and we saw crosses, and on those crosses are, are men who are being crucified. We know on this particular scene, this particular account, there are at least three crosses. And all of the crosses are there because of sin. 
One criminal's cross represents dying in sin. The cross of Christ, our Savior, represents dying for sin. And the other criminal's cross represents dying from sin. Jesus, the Messiah, is in the middle. There he is. As he is, Greg, giving his life that we who believe in him might have life. He's been flogged. He's been beaten. He's been spat upon. And now he's numbered amongst the criminals. There he is. Jesus hung between two criminals. Jesus allows himself to be hung on a cross like a common criminal along with convicted criminals. Yeah, the Bible says he was, he was numbered among the criminals. But he wasn't guilty of any crime. He's receiving judgment for guilt, though he was not guilty and had committed no sin. Jesus, who, who knew no sin, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Do you see him? The innocent charged for the guilty. Do you see him? The way out for the wayward. Do you see our Savior suffering and dying for you and I? It's love that caused him to accept the cross. It is his love that enabled him to receive our conviction and condemnation. He did it because, because he loves us. And when we place our trust in him, when we believe in his mission and his ministry, the work of Christ, we receive forgiveness for our sins. We receive redemption. We receive belonging in the life and the family of God. I'm mindful of that hymn writer, Thomas Shepard, who was inspired by Simon Serene's role in the crucifixion. And he asked the question, must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all this world go free? Uh, some of you know it. No, there's a cross for, for everyone. And there's a cross for me. Because as you look at this, this scene at Calvary, Calvary, Latin is Calvaire, which means the place of the skull. If you ever travel to the Holy Land, you'll realize it is a real place. Golgotha in Aramaic, it's, it's a real place. It is the place where Jesus, our Savior, was crucified. In fact, when I was there, I took some shots um, of Golgotha. And when you see those pictures of Calvary, you then are able to see why it's called the place of the skull. Because topography really looks like a skull. It's a place of death, the real place where our real Savior, the living Son of God, gave his life for you and I. There were, were crosses affixed to the top of that hill. And the truth is, all of us have a cross to bear. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter um, what culture you represent. We all have a cross to bear. 
Some of us, if we're honest about it, uh, our cross is that, that place of suffering, of, of pain, of, of sacrifice that we've been enduring, trying to make sense out of life, but it is your cross. And everybody may not have the same cross, but everybody, every cross has the same results. There's pain there. There's struggle, and, and if we're honest, sometimes many of us, we have our crosses covered so, so no one can really see the pain that we're going through. But then, then there may be some of us where, where our crosses is peeking out just a little bit underneath the surface, and, and others can see, yeah, there, there's some pain that's in your life. There's some anguish. There's some disappointment. And then for some of us, the truth is, our cross is open for public viewing. And yet it doesn't stop the shame that comes with the cross, the struggle, the challenge, the trials that we endure. Jesus said we would bear our cross. Earlier in Luke, he said, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, Jesus says and follow me. See, Jesus taught we all have a cross to bear. All of us, each one of us, no one is free from bearing a cross. However, if you choose to follow Jesus, you won't have to bear your cross alone. Uh, I want to speak to somebody right now. You came in with a cross. You came in with a struggle. You came in trying to make sense of everything you're going through. And sometimes God allows us to go through suffering and challenges because it pushes us into a place where we realize that we need him. There's some places you'll go to, there's some things you'll go through that only Jesus can get you through. We all, we all have a cross to bear. In fact, even when you are journeying with your cross, if you get in contact with Jesus, it could be in the ninth hour of your life. It could be in the last inning. It could be at what some would call the last minute or moment. But here's the truth, that whenever you get to Jesus, Jesus has the power to transform your life. He has the power to turn tragedy into testimony, that when someone sees you, they won't know everything you've been through, but when they look at you, they see what God can do. Who am I talking to in this place? Amen. And here we are as we check out the scene. We check out the scene and we see three crosses. Jesus is in the middle and two crosses on either side are holding criminals. Guys who spent their known life in criminality. They, they could have been disappointments to their family. They could have been shunned and discarded by others because of the lifestyle they chose. They, they, they chose a lifestyle that was hurting to others. They chose a lifestyle that was defrauding. And, and the text says uh, they were thieves, they were, they were criminals, and they were paying the price for their crimes. In fact, their, their, their crimes were so egregious that it warranted execution. And they're there. They're there on the cross. But what what encourages me, though, is that despite what they've done, despite how bad they must have been, 
despite that their lives were, were lived out the baddest, that it could, I, I know, I know, I know it's supposed to be worse, uh, but baddest just sounds worse. Uh, their lives are, are, are lived out in a way that is not honorable, and yet I want you to look at them. Because despite all they've done and all they've been through and, and all they're guilty of, out of all the places for them to die, out of all the hills for them to be on, out of all the crucifixions for them to be a part of, they end up dying next to Jesus. Oh, you're not getting the good news here. Uh, because this assures us theologically that God is so faithful that he would allow the gift of grace to be given to everyone before we reach our point of death. I want you to hear me here that everybody may not receive the gift of grace, but everybody will, will be invited to experience the gift of grace because God has an amazing grace that you can't be so dirty that his grace can't clean you up. You can't be so far that his grace can't call you in. You cannot be so, so rejected that his grace won't welcome you. And there they are, dying on the cross, guilty of their sins, and yet Jesus is right there with them. Yeah. Mm. This is why you ought not give up on people so quickly. This is why you ought not give up even on yourself so quickly. Because no one is so far gone that Jesus can't come and get you. Oh, you don't believe me? There's some people in here, they're just testifying, they're honest about it. Listen, I was all that and then some. I was all the way live. I, I was all the way out. And yet Jesus saw me not in the church. He saw me where I was and he gave me love where I was and led me back to the church. Ooh, mm, I, I need to slow this thing down here. They're, they're, they're on the cross. They're, Jesus is in the middle and he's surrounded by two criminals. Mm, first, first, let's look at the two criminals. And then as we look at them, I want to challenge you to decide which cross you want to be on. Because everybody is going to bear a cross. Both persons are suffering punishment. And they're placed there because of their own personal practices. They're, they're, they're both there. And there with them is Jesus. Because the truth is, what what Jesus teaches us is what our eternity is tied to. When you look at these two criminals, I want you to understand that how we respond to Jesus Christ determines our eternal destiny. How, how we respond to him. Not just if we respond, but how we respond. Check out the first criminal. He's hanging on the cross. He sees Jesus, and he wants to make an appeal for clemency. He's being executed, and so he addresses Jesus. Check this out. He, he tells Jesus, um, if you are the Christ, <laughs> why don't you come down from the cross? And by the way, while you're doing that, come on, get us down too. I want you to look at this particular criminal. This particular criminal is going the way of eternal punishment. In fact, Jesus said there are only two ways to go. In Matthew 25 to 46, Jesus says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
which means when we leave this life, when we transition from the doorway of this life through the doorway of death into eternity, all of us will live an eternal life. But the question is, where will your eternal life be lived? Uh, there's two options here. You got, uh, there's the way to hell and there's the way to heaven. And this first criminal represents the way that you can get a first-class t- ticket to go to hell. Uh, he, he represents the way to hell because check out what he says. Uh, he, he, does, he has a declaration of disbelief. Look at his words. Because when he comes to Christ, Christ is right there, and he says to him, he says, if you are the Christ. Mm. Do you hear his disbelief there? He doesn't acknowledge him as Christ. He's saying, if you're the Christ, and if that is not enough insult for injury, he's not coming to Christ to believe in Christ. He's just trying to get Christ to be a part of his escape plan. He just wants to get off of what he is responsible for getting himself in. If you are the Christ, the declaration of disbelief. I hope you didn't close your Bibles. Because, Fred, you noticed something, right? You noticed that. Jesus didn't even answer him. Uh, I hope you didn't close your Bible. Because when you look at these two criminals on on each cross, you realize that both of them prayed a nine-word prayer. Go ahead and count it in your Bibles. Both of them used nine words. Both of them addressed Jesus with just nine words. But, But here, notice, Jesus ignores. Jesus did not respond to the criminal's cry to be released from the cross. But then there's that other criminal. The other criminal who is, begins by defending Jesus' innocence and rebuking his partner in crime. You see him there? The Bible says that, that he turns to his partner in crime while hurting, while hanging on the cross, while being crucified. And then he turns to him and says, do you not fear God? Here, you know, like I know, that we're both in this thing together because of what we did. He says, uh, our punishment is just. We're receiving the just punishment for our crimes. But I see y'all right here. I I see you because you're still looking up there. I told you to take your sandals and climb up there with them because the truth is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, which means you and I, we belong up there too. And here the other criminal is now telling his partner in crime, hey, man, don't you fear God? I know why we're up here, because we've done some things that deserve us being up here. Let me not push too quickly, um, because sometimes we forget some of the stuff we've done. And we start to point the finger at other people as though what they've done is worse than what we've done. But if I were to pull back the Rolodex of your mind and pull out your resume from your BC days, uh, your before Christ days, or maybe just yesterday. You'd realize that there's some, 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 things, some, some things that you've done, you've thought, you, you've said that warrant you being up there. And Gary, I ain't in this thing by myself. We, we're all here together. And so this criminal says, don't you fear God? But look at his confession. He says, I'm guilty. We're guilty, but this man, Jesus, this man has done nothing wrong. Hmm, hold on. 
There's a contrast here. Because the second criminal seemed to recognize something. That when he saw Jesus, he recognized how much he was unlike Jesus. He recognized that, that he was being punished justly. But the first criminal didn't even acknowledge anything about his own guilt. You know, when you're really in a worship experience, when you really uh, come face to face with Jesus Christ, when you really see the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit within the worship dynamic, you can't help but see just how unholy you are. And as those of us who gather in here with self-righteousness, acting as though uh, there's nothing wrong with us, as though uh, we've been saved since we were six days old, well, let me help you understand something. The man who didn't confess his sin was the man that Jesus didn't pay attention to. But this second criminal, he knew something. I hope you didn't close your Bibles. It's right there. Because Susan, check out how he responds. He says, this man has done nothing wrong, Jesus. When you... Come into your kingdom. Please remember me. We move too fast, y'all. We move too fast. We move too fast. See, the first man asked the question, if you are the Christ. The second criminal, he didn't have a question. He had a declaration. He said, Jesus. You're missing it, all right? Because Jesus means one who saves. You remember the angelic announcement when the angel says, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Check out the declaration of belief. He knew that Jesus could save him from what he couldn't save himself from. Jesus? The Bible says, all who call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Jesus? Or maybe some of you right now, you're embarrassed to say that name in public because you don't realize just how good that name can be in your life. Jesus? In fact, when somebody asks you what, what has changed in your life, what, what made a difference in your life, there, ought to one, there should be one name that come up out of your mouth. It ought to be Jesus. I'm just trying to help you understand something because there's power in the name of Jesus. Mm, my grandma says, one to work in power, power filled with glory. He says, Jesus. You're the one who saves. Diane, he says, he says so when you come into your kingdom, uh, Remember me. See, see, not only does he declare that Jesus is the Savior, but in his dying statement, in his last confession, he also declares that Jesus is king. It's right there in the text. Because he says, when you come into your kingdom. Mm -hmm. He says, now, now, now I know that, that I don't deserve to even be talking to you, but, but Jesus, uh, now that I am talking to you, um, when you go where you, I know you're going to go, when you are sitting back on your throne, uh, could you just please remember that I spoke up for you? I know I'm not right. I know I messed up, but, but, but I knew enough to know that you're Jesus. Hmm. Check it out. First criminal, he was in the presence of Jesus. He heard the, the words of Jesus. He saw Jesus. He, he recognized, he, he saw him for he was, he was hanging in the presence of Jesus, and yet he did not know him. Wow. Is that the testimony of some of us when we gather in here? We come in and we clap our hands, we praise, we sing, we shout, but then we leave out the same way we came in because we were in the presence but didn't allow ourselves to know him personally. And yet the second criminal, he knows him. And he has one request. Remember me. That's his request. Remember me. And look how Jesus does it. Jesus pauses from dying, pulls up his breath, 
and makes intercession for the man who knew he was innocent. And he says, truly, truly. Somebody say, truly, truly. See, when you see that kind of wording in the text about 97 times it's in the New Testament, when you see that word in the text, truly, truly, that means you need to pay attention. Lean in. Look closely because I'm about to tell you something you never knew. He tells that man, he says, truly, truly, I say to you today, not tomorrow, not next week, today, this day, you, you're missing it. Mm. He didn't say today when you come down the aisles of the church. He didn't say today when you uh, get baptized. He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. You're missing it already. You're missing it already. He he didn't tell the man he had to do anything other than do what he's already done, which is believe. Come here, let me holler at some of you on here who believe that you're saved by what you do. Baby, you can't do enough to be saved. The only reason you are saved is because of what he has done. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise, that word we have, paradise, we get from the Persians uh, that, that come up with the word paradise to really mean and picture a grand garden or a serene place, similar to the Garden of Eden. And here, this Persian word, paradise, is what Jesus uses to describe the next stop in their journey. He looks at the criminal and he says to him, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. Don't miss this because you're going to miss something if you just focus on paradise and you miss the with me. Mm, you, you call, let me help you understand this. Stuff. Shannon, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Well, rewind and press play. Check it out, young people. What he's saying is that if you want to be in paradise, you got to be with me. Which means then that everywhere Jesus is with you, you are in paradise. That means then that I don't have to wait to die to experience the paradise that I get with Jesus. I can have heaven right here on earth as long as I have Jesus with me. Come on, Kanye, how we say that? He walks with me. Jesus Jesus walked with me. He, he, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. I almost got caught up there. Anthony, I almost got, almost got caught up there, bro. He, said, he says, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to be with me. Check it out. He says, I'm not just going to send you to paradise. I'm not going to call ahead and and tell them to accept you in paradise. He said, no, no. Uh -uh. Despite where you come from, despite what you've done, the fact that you believe in me, I'm going to escort you in. You're going to walk in paradise with me. Because here's the reality. When you believe in Jesus, he'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. He'll be right there with you, and he'll be with you in, in paradise. He says, today you shall be with me in paradise. He didn't bring up what he did. He didn't bring up his dirt, which tells us that no matter what the dirt is, Christ has the power to deliver. And if you really want to understand how life is meant to be lived, then you want to be with Jesus. Because what you see here on Calvary's cross is really what Christ had already confessed would happen in John 14. I know we use it a lot of times for, for funerals, uh, but really when you understand John 14, where he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, are many places, are many mansions. Uh, I, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And on Calvary's cross, he is preparing a place for those who want to believe in him. And that criminal realized the truth. That it doesn't matter when you confess. It matters that you confess. See, Big Drew, both of them had the opportunity. 
One decided to master, maximize his moment. Both of them had the opportunity. One decided to accept and the other decided to reject. But both of them had it. And when Jesus heard the man who prayed in faith, he delivered him that same hour to be with him in heaven. <laughs> I grew up in an old school Baptist church. I'm unapologetic for how I grew up. I cut my teeth on King James. And uh, there's a hymn in the old Baptist church that we used to sing. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath the flood. Lose all their guilt and sin. We say he lose all their guilt and stain. Let me say it again. Lose all their guilt and stain. And sinners plunge beneath the flood. Lose all their guilt. And, mm. But you know that part, that, the second part gets me. When he says, the dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. And there may I, though as he wash all my sins away. There may I, as vile as he, may he wash all my sins. Mm, he said it one more time. Wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. Wash all my sins away. The criminal was able to declare that in confession of Christ, he washed all of his sins away. Two crosses. Two criminals. Which cross did you climb on? Because only one cross leads to heaven. Jesus said earlier in Matthew, he said, many in the last day will say unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not preach in your name? Did we not heal in your name? Did we not do what you've told us to do and did it in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Because it's possible to be around the things of Jesus. Hear the word of Jesus and not know Jesus. But the Bible also says, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And when you confess Christ, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're from, when you confess Christ, all, somebody say all. all. Mm -hmm. That includes you, all who call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. How we respond to Jesus Christ determines our eternal destiny. Because he died that we might have life. John, I'm, I'm on that edge, bro. I want to say, didn't he die? Yeah, he died that we might have life. And when he gives you life, he gives you life abundantly. I'll close with this. 
The only thing that thief who confessed Christ asked Chuck was, remember me. But Jesus responded with a greater answer than what he ever requested. Because when you come to Jesus, he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you'll ever ask or even think. You just have to. Just have to ask. Because he's already demonstrated his love. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That includes you. That includes you. And we're about to celebrate the wonderful gift he's given us. We're about to celebrate in remembrance of him, of how he loves us. And so as our deacons prepare the house, I want to invite you to to sing this song as your confession to the Lord, even as your prayer. For Father, you told us that when we remember you, remember your death, burial, and resurrection, that we ought to do it with clean hands and clean hearts. We know that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we confess our sins to you, thanking you that we can come to you, knowing that when your blood washes us, you wash us of all our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.